We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Speaking of hot air, Kevin Stefanski's good. Why? What the hell is Kevin wrong with Stefanski? you? How the hell are you? This is what happens when you get hot boxed. All right? You lose your mind a little bit. What what stood out to you about what Kevin Stefanski said in Berea today? Was it that difficult or, to say? Yes, because I earlier I called him Kevin Stakansky, and now that's my brain is now wired to call him Kevin Stakansky off air. Stakansky. Yep. Stefanski. So much easier. Stepanski. He's feeling like it. Yeah. Um, Kevin depants me. If he's also feeling like it. <laughs> uh, I actually think Kevin DePants me is Hody. <laughs> I will be 100% transparent with you. Mm-hmm. When I listen to Kevin Stefanski press conferences, they just put me to sleep. It sounds the same for four years. So, so mm-hmm. I, and it's fine. Like, he's, he's a great guy and he's very smart. Mm-hmm. Very good looking, by Got the way. Got a strong jawline. I mean, his jawline is on point today. Always on the five I mean, he, o'clock shadow game. He is, I think he stopped dying the beard. Uh-huh, which, which is the which, smart salt and pepper which, plays. Because he's got so much salt. Yeah, yeah. It looks good. I, I feel like... It's very George Clooney-esque. I am a, uh, I'm a Cleveland 2, and I feel like my salt and pepper beard makes me maybe a, salt, uh, a Cleveland 2.5. That's a, a half hot point. That's what uh, salt and pepper... And by the way, he's like a, it's like a Miami 7. So, I mean, who even the hell knows what that, what that does for Kevin Stefanski's uh, number there. So I, I get – I actually think he actually did say things today. I think he really perfects the I'm not going to say anything from, yeah. like, July until uh, January. And he gave us a little bit today. Like, uh, he, he did say he was going to call plays in 2023. Yeah, that I mean, that's not really surprising, though. Well, it's not surprising, but, you know, as late as, what, mid-January, Senior Bowl week, he had said – if it's the, if it's the right thing for the organization, um, I would give up play calling. So somewhere between the end of the regular season and today, yeah, he it it, it like uh, Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat. It revealed itself to him <laughs> that the the right thing would be calling the plays. I, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I do think like I, I just think it reeks of arrogance. Why so? Because you've won 15 games in two years. And even though the offense this year was not what failed you, actually, no, that's actually not entirely true. The offense through the first 11 games isn't what failed you. Um, 
it doesn't mean like I want I want to know how Kevin is looking at his job as a head coach and his job as a play caller and how those two things are interlocked because I would like to see Kevin focus on things like leadership on things like managing difficult personalities on things like I I mean this is just spitballing here being a head coach and so I I to be fair to, to be, be fair, fair. Uh, I didn't expect him to give up play calling. But I was hoping at some point somebody could give him a conversation, kind of a come to Jesus, and kind of just enlighten him. Like, Kevin, you're the head coach. If you'd like to be an offensive coordinator, we can arrange that. All right? But we need you to be the head coach. We need to put you put on your big boy pants, and we need you to go ahead and find somebody. Because I think the cop-out, because what it really is to me, is I think it's a cop-out by Kevin. I think Kevin, at least in what I'm seems to, to have control issues, I think he does seem to be arrogant. And and this is all just like, I, none of these things are like fatal flaws, but when you combine right. them up, it is problematic. And Kevin, as a head coach, the last two years hasn't gotten it done. And even though I'm happy at the, the staff changes, the truth is, you had six weeks. If... If Kevin Stefanski had really analyzed his ability as a play caller, mm-hmm. he might have been able to go out there and find somebody who could have been a better play caller. But instead, what do is it a demotion for Alex Van Pelt? And then you hire Bill Musgrave, who's you know hasn't been on a head coaching radar for for ten fifteen years. You let Drew Petzing go to Arizona because you didn't want to give him the play calling. Like it, it seems as if Kevin Stefanski just let everything fall around and I'd be like. Oh no! I guess I'll have to call the plays. That's what is my frustration. I don't think he gave serious thought to putting a plan in action where maybe he could have somebody on the staff that he could trust, and that that frustrates me because he's quick to go ahead and say, "Joe Woods, you're not you're not doing a good enough job." He was quick to say, uh, "Hey, Mike Prefer, I got a better special teams coach. Mm-hmm. I want to see him. I want to see him truly embrace." There are better ways to do this, and I'm going to bring somebody in who can help do a better a better job. Um, I I don't I don't know that I agree completely. I I think that I, I think mean that's pretty convincing in in the way that I I laid it out. I, there. I think Stefanski is, is never going to give up play calling duties as long as he's head coach of the Cleveland Browns because in his mind he feels like that's his strength and that's why he's here. That's his calling card. That's why he's the head coach of the Browns. Uh, he's got people on the staff that he can mm-hmm. trust. I mean, Alex Van Pelt's called plays before. He knows how to. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very smart. He's not going to relinquish those duties. Well, okay, but then why frame it like uh, if I thought that was the best decision for the Cleveland Browns, that's what I would do? It, the, why not just say I think that's my value to well, the he, Cleveland he, Browns? He is saying that. Well, no, no, no. What, what he what he said when he says it the way that he says it. Right, because he's the sports talk. He grew up. He's trying to sports talk proof everything that he says. What he's saying is, there's nobody on the staff that can do the job as well as I can do it, or that might have a chance to do it as well as I can do it. When he says, so "What's wrong with that, though?" Um, because I don't believe him. Because even though I actually don't have a problem with him as a play caller, which is the wild part about this, I think he's fine. I don't know. He's great. I I do think just across the board, there are times where they I mean, try you, and get too were, cute. You, Nick, you were hyping this offense up all the first eleven games of the year, 
and the great job Stefanski had done. Yeah, with, with because Brissette. it's I don't have a problem with him as a play caller. I have a problem with him play calling, making him a lesser head coach. If it, if it's impacting his other decisions, whether it's time management, whether it's his ability to lead men, which I'll be honest with you, ain't great. Every single year, there's been some other thing. We'll talk. We're going to play Jim Donovan today. Talk about JJ three getting cut and how his personality might have played into that decision. So you can't coach guys with a personality other than yes sir, no sir. So through three years, we have definitive information about Kevin Stefanski as a head coach, and each year the team has taken a step back. And if my ass were this close to the bandsaw. I might find a way to bring somebody in who rivals me as a play coach. It ain't that hard to find. Good offensive play, good offensive coordinators, people who can call the plays. It's not that hard. The NFL every year kicks up good offensive play callers who just happen to be crappy head coaches. Mm -hmm. So every offseason there's a new crop or there's some new wunderkind that is like the quarterback coach for for, uh, Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. There's always somebody that can do it. It's not like play calling is or being a good play caller is right. that impossible or that Herculean of a task. So I don't think Kevin I think this is further proof that Kevin never really gave thought mm-hmm. the idea anybody else would call place. And to me, where that leads is Kevin, are you taking your job as a head coach seriously enough? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't know that he is. Or his ego says, I can make both work. And I don't want that. Sorry. I don't want his ego to make the decision because I would like the Cleveland Browns to win. In the end, I don't care who plays calls if you just win. The last two years, you haven't won. And certainly this last year, you did a bad job going from whoever called the plays, whoever drew up the offense, did a bleep poor job going from Jacoby Brissett to uh, Deshaun Watson. Or maybe Deshaun just sucked. I don't know. There were a lot of times where in gale force winds, they were like, well, is it third and 12? Let's go ahead and throw the ball. That was stupid. Yeah, but you defended that. Well, no, no, no. I thought, no, no, no. I defended Sean's play. I didn't de- defend the you ideology behind the it. the touchdowns and the drop passes. Because Deshaun actually played well. There's a difference so between... So it can't be on Stefanski. Is it either on Deshaun or it's on Stefanski? Who's no, on? you're conflating two separate things here. What I'm telling you is that I thought Deshaun played well in unreasonable circumstances. Forced on to him by some great, we're going to go ahead and just think piece the hell out of this crap. Dude, That's the, what I'm saying. The week before the Saints game, we, you and I, I remember I was on the road. We had a conversation. You were bitching about how, and we had Ross Tucker on. And you thought that they should throw the ball like crazy, even though it's going to be gale force wins. And he did. No, you said they should throw less than a certain amount. And I said, I'd like to see what he can do. And then we saw what he could do in Baltimore. And I said, all right, well, maybe let's go ahead and get back to the thing that won. So you can change from week to week. You can alter your opinion based off where things are. So I never said I was pleased with Stefanski's play calling. As a matter of fact, it certainly felt like just throwing bleep at a dartboard for the play calling or the offensive game plan they had the final six games of the year. I think, if anything, they took an impossible task and made it even more impossible for Deshaun. And I'm I'm just surprised to hear that. Why? <laughs> because you defended the guy last year. No, I defended Deshaun. There's a difference between defending the play caller and the quarterback. Okay. I, I thought the, the him talking about Schwartz and 
you know, how they're going to stick with a uh, even front. Like I, th- I actually thought Kevin said a lot today, but to just kind of sum up what we were just talking about, I feel like my last remaining question about the Brown staff is Kevin. I, I, I love the Jim Schwartz hire. I thought it was as good as you could make. You know, a, a safer veteran defensive coordinator who's had success everywhere he's gone. Mm-hmm. I think Bubba Ventrone is the kind of guy who could end up being like an unheralded star. The kind of development that they did in Indianapolis on their special teams gives me a lot of hope for Cade York. All right, so we got that. I mean, even Alex Van Pelt going back into the quarterback room. I like Alex Van Pelt a lot. So do I. So the one thing that I didn't get this offseason is I've never gotten the sense, and when Kevin has talked about it, I and this is this and the actual decisions they've made have have left me wondering if he really seriously considered giving up play calling, whether that's bringing somebody in to do it or going with Alex Van Pelt to do it, and that's the that was the thing I needed to see. So that's where my disappointment is. Because my biggest concern on the staff is not Kevin as a play caller. That's not what this is about. It's about Kevin as a leader and as a head coach. And I think play calling is one of the easiest things in the NFL to outsource when you know play calling the way Kevin does. And I think it's an additional task, and this is a crucial year that determines not just next year for the Cleveland Browns, but probably what the next three years for the Cleveland Browns look like. Okay. I mean, listen – it doesn't matter, honestly. I mean, like if Stefanski calls plays this year or doesn't call plays, uh, the outcome of the season is going to determine his fate of this team and whether he's the coach going forward. I mean, I, I just feel like at this point in time, he's been here. This is his fourth year coming up. I cannot see him in what is a make-or-break season giving up on what he feels is his strength. He's even said he doesn't like it. Or he says it's it's like a chore for him. That's just what's again. It it's, is stressful. Well, yeah, but I mean, he even says like, I don't know. It's just interesting to hear what he's had to say between Ken and Anthony and his end of season press conference in here. Two one six five seven eight double zero nine two. Has your confidence? Because I actually think that you know a criticism of Kevin might be outshining the bigger point here. My confidence in the coaching staff is is better now more replete now than it was two months ago. The biggest question I have left is your head coach. Now, we can get fatalistic about that real quick, Mm -hmm. but I actually do think that's like the silver lining in this conversation is, like, I didn't feel as confident in the coaching staff around Stefanski, because he's still the biggest question mark, um, three months ago, the way I feel about it now. How do you feel about him now? Uh, the coaching staff. Yeah, I feel like he's got a decent coaching staff. Like at at the very least, an average to above average coaching staff. And I didn't feel that way. And I, I it was less about Prefer to me, and it was more about Woods. And the the Jim Schwartz hire, I think, is a is a really really important hire. And I hope they give it a real chance to work. And when I say they, I'm talking about the Browns organization in general. Mm-hmm. And in a way, even though I've criticized Kevin for the play calling thing, I do hope that they give him a chance to figure it out this year. Because that's the other backdrop of this. I don't think he's guaranteed just walking into the combine. I don't think he's necessarily guaranteed a full year next year. Not because of anything he's done that deserves it, because Haslam's going to Haslam. 
216-578-0092. AJ, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, Thomas. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, we all want to support our head coach, but I just, in my opinion, Kevin Stefanski, yeah, play calling is easy, but great and good and effective play calling is rare. And I just think he, his play calling is average. Um, average I So I don't know that I would say average. I Like I said, it's not that I have a problem with his quality of play calling. It's I think you can mm-hmm. find somebody to do the same thing, and it would open up Kevin to be more available in other parts of this. Like Kevin today was talking about, oh, I'm in the quarterback meeting. Every, you know, I'm in every quarterback meeting. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Are you in every defensive back meeting? Are you in every wide receivers meeting? And he might be. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to. You know, we weren't asking him the questions. But like, right. I don't. And here's the other part of this. I don't know why Deshaun Watson struggles. It didn't open us to question the play calling a little bit more. Yeah, and and the way Baker shined when he got out from under Stefanski, it just makes you wonder. You know, we had to all wonder. You know, where, where did uh, Baker what, shine? When he when he first went to Rams, you know, that ah. Thursday night game was amazing. He got one. And, Thank you for the call, there, AJ. Um, that is something though. Just kind of uh, as a quick aside, there, Dustin. Mm-hmm. Why didn't Deshaun's struggles reflect more negatively? And when I say reflect that, why did I felt like we questioned it? But I, meaning like, what's Kevin's role in the play calling, and and is he helping or hurting Deshaun? But why isn't that a bigger topic? That the guy who got what he got out of Jacoby Brissett, and the guy who got what he got out of Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. then had the best player. He's ever had at that position as a head coach and play caller. And all of a sudden, it, it certainly felt like, and I I totally get, fair amount of the blame goes to uh, Deshaun, meaning the fact that he was off for 700 days, this, that, and the other. But it just feels like people are giving Kevin Stefanski a bit of a pass for those six games. I'm saying Browns fans, because I, I think I've heard Ken and Anthony talk about it. You and I've talked about mm-hmm. it. I, it, just, it just feels like people are like, well, it's all it, it's the circumstances that are at fault here through no fault of their own, and I, I disagree it's all on the circumstance. So what is it? Well, I think it's part of the fact that they didn't pivot quick enough from the things Jacoby did well to what Deshaun did well. I think uh, we talked about the Quincy Avery sound of Deshaun talking about uh, having Stefanski in his ear. So I think I think those are two of the biggest culprits. So let me ask you this. So the final six games of the season, you think Stefanski did a crappy job in play calling? No, I just don't know he did as good of a job with Jacoby Brissett. And I don't think he tweaked what he did enough to try and get the most out. He didn't pivot enough as a play caller or offensive coordinator, whatever you want to call him, to put Deshaun. Like if they were just throwing bleep at the wall and trying to, figure out like you should have already done your due diligence you should know five years into his career I don't know why I said I combined four and five there you should know what he does well Deshaun yes and you should pivot to that as soon as humanly possible instead of and I think Ken's pointed this out a lot throwing bleep at the wall with Deshaun and eh, we'll see is it is it throwing bleep at the wall or is it hey I think Deshaun does these things well but maybe Deshaun just didn't play well yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. Both things can be true. How? Well, because both guys cannot have done as well as they should have. Deshaun could have struggled because of... But you said Deshaun played well. I think Deshaun played well as the time went on. The first three games were not great. The last three games, I think he was a lot better than anybody's given him credit for. Okay, so Stefanski gets none of that credit for putting him in a position to play well? So he gets only the credit and none of the I, I don't think Deshaun played well. I'm, not, I'm just asking you. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. Here. No, I know, but I'm saying. So we just overlook Stefanski's role in the first three I games. I don't think Stefanski's done a good job as a play call. I don't think Deshaun Watson's played well. Oh, we're really on the complete opposite side of this. Yeah. It's okay. You'll love me again once. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, what's happening, guys? What's up, man? I just wanted to help you navigate the forest through the trees here with Kevin Stefanski. As I look at this thing, man, he's 26 and 24, taking over for a coach that went like 1 and 31 or whatever. In my opinion, he had the worst defensive coordinator in the NFL for his three years and one of the worst special teams, terrible kicker, terrible punter, and still in probably the toughest division in football went 26 and 24 after taking over a team that went one and 31. He won coach of the year, took the team to the playoffs. Kevin Stefanski, I'm, I'm more confident about Kevin Stefanski than just about anybody else in that building. And I think it's borderline mental illness to be ragging on that guy. I think it's so absolutely- one real, real quick, Tony, cause I'll engage on you on this one. Uh, one, he took over Freddie kitchens. So he didn't take over for one and 31 Two. He hasn't done any, I shouldn't say anything. They've underachieved two straight years. They went from a playoff team, which is who they should have been. And maybe they overachieved by getting a playoff win. I'll even give him that credit. And the last two years, for one reason or another, and the things that have failed, uh, two years ago it was the offense, and then you had Baker Mayfield and OBJ publicly warring. For a head coach that likes to keep things in, in, in house, that wasn't great. And then this year, it was the defense. That's fair to say. But then this year, it was another person bringing things to light when he's Mr. Keep It In-House. So I'm, I'm willing to say he hasn't been dog bleep, but to paint anything other than the last two years are a failure, I, just, I, I don't know I can get you there, bud. But just, just to say this is a make-or-break year and he's going to get fired if, if they don't have a great record is just nuts compared to the coaches we've so, had here. So real quick, really got so, to look at it, man. so you're actually you're actually kind of going where we're going to go with this conversation. If Kevin Stefanski 7-10 and 10 again next year, do you think Kevin Stefanski will be back? Uh, yeah, I, I think he should be. Yeah. All right, I, and so I, I, I'm somewhere in between this conversation, and I, when we come back here in a little bit, and thank you for the call, bud, um, we will play something Anthony said on the morning show today. That's actually the opposite of what Tony just said. So I'm somewhere in between. The things that concern me about Kevin are less about just wins and losses, although the proof is in the pudding. And it's more about the way things have spilled into public Mm -hmm. for a guy who does everything he can to downplay every little thing. Like, it's one thing to say, oh, this stuff happens in a locker room all the time. Yes, not every locker room tries to keep a tight, heavy lid on things and fails the way they the Browns have the last two years. Some coaches care a lot less about these things getting out in public. So that in and of itself, to me, is a failure of Kevin Stefanski to get the locker room. And I'm not trying, by the way, there are things I like about Kevin. I'm not trying to just turn this into bleep all over Kevin. But specific to Tony's defense of him, 
I think right now this is a make or break year. I don't even think it's a I like that feels like the most milk toast take I could ever have. Al, real quick, buddy, what you got for us? Hello, hey. Al. Al, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, buddy. I'm just wondering what you guys what you guys thoughts are in 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 trying to think like Kevin, and that's a challenge in and of itself. But because he made all these hires, he he realized that he had some shortfalls with his coaches and in, in special teams and defense and, and hiring new assistants and more assistants. Is it possible that the reason he may have made those changes was to let him think that, that okay, now that I've solidified all of those other areas, I can spend time on the play calling and, 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 and the other areas will be you know, in better shape because of all the hires I made? I mean, I, I think that's probably part of the thought. But it feels like addressing sixty-seven percent of the problem, and that's the only thing. Like I, in in a in a weird roundabout way, even though I'm criticizing him, and thanks for the call, buddy. I just want Kevin to do the things he needs to do to succeed. I this time next year, I do not want to be uh, coaching uh, coach talk radio, uh, coaching search radio, uh, or reacting to a new hire. I don't want to be having the inevitable questions about Deshaun that will be there if you know they have to fire Kevin, like. That's what I just want. And I for Kevin. I want Kevin to avoid those things as well. Dusty, are you seeing this John Moran stuff from the Washington Post? You were just telling me about it. It's uh it's pretty alarming. Well, it's it's been it's so weird because he has played for the last two years at an MVP type level. Mm-hmm. But this year, you we've combined that with just all sorts of off court or even like the the Shannon Sharp thing, on court nonsense. And the latest from the Washington Post, one, and this is this is a, a, an account uh, of a teenager he had a run-in with. So this is this kind of playing out in public here. It doesn't necessarily mean he did it. So we got to use the word allegedly. Allegedly, on it. but he is being accused of of re- repeatedly striking and beating up a, a a teenager over some sort of an altercation, including that he came out of his house with a gun in his waistband and grabbed the gun and his dad was screaming at him, no, 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 go back in the house. Like, isn't this a kid that went to, like, a prep school in Connecticut? Something like that. I, I've heard stuff behind the scenes. It sounds like he doesn't have a great group of people around him, support system-wise, that could potentially enable his bad behavior at times, and, and that's not good. I Listen, this is not because he's good at basketball. When I hear somebody that is so, it's I I feel the, this way about Kanye and everything that's happened since his divorce. When you have people who are so uniquely talented, so people who can really in what change people's lives, like John Morant, being a great basketball player as a role model, can help kids save their lives. You know, people yep. uh, to be a role model on that level, to be uh, an artist. I mentioned Kanye, so I'll just start, to be an artist, the level of Kanye to. To, right. to come out of Chicago and do it like you have the opportunity to not just change your own life, but to really do and like I'll I'll never do that. There's nobody out there listening that's like, ah, Nick Wilson's fat ass talking into a microphone saved my life. It'll never happen in radio. So and it's less about I'm not trying to do the look down on him thing. It's more just like I don't think we have enough concern for athletes. 
I think we're all so jaded because these dudes have so much money at their disposal because mm-hmm. they can get any person to lay in their bed that they want to, that they can they get bleep for free. And especially, like, it's so easy to be cynical. At the end of the day, this kid's like a 23-year-old kid. And he has the world in front of him. And every time I see a kid that's running into a rough patch here, I think of guys like Don Rogers. I think of, of uh, Len Bias. You know, I think of really great athletes who had the chance to not just change their lives but others and to see it what over an entourage fire every one of those morons hey dad sorry you can't sit courtside anymore because you're too much of a distraction and i need you to cool it out like it's just i just i hate to see this man and it does feel like this is the one thing i really like james harden Running, running on the streets with rappers and James Harden, you know, handing duffel bags of $250,000. It's like, James, you got it, man. You got the world. Find somebody you want to spend your life with, play really good basketball, and just stay off the nonsense. Stay off the weed. Well, no, that's actually okay. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's going to keep you calm. All right, it's every other thing. Stay off the macho BS trip that that, that clearly Jaws going on. Man, I just I hate to see this because he is and and not, listen, I'll put it back to the other part here. He is a ridiculously talented human being. Oh God, yeah. And just from a selfish point, I love watching the guy play basketball. And the idea that he could cost himself that with just like. It's just it's just awful. Uh, Real Savior P saying Kanye is different than Ja. Kanye's mother dying changed him mentally. Uh, ja is the example of rich kids who want to be something they aren't. That's interesting. That that is an interesting thing. I I I think that is something, and it's not just rich kids. I think, um, I think white basketball players in the NBA might have a similar thing. Yeah. Of wanting to to kind of try to live a lifestyle because you want to fit in. Sure. I think there is that pressure. I think that's a really interesting point by Xavier P. We were talking about Kevin Stefanski in his press conference here. Let's get to Sal. Sal, your thoughts on what you heard from Kevin Stefanski earlier today. First of all, great show, guys. Uh, this you. is what bothers me. This is to Dustin. What's up, man? You know, I've coached high school football for 25 years. I'm not a great football coach or anything. But as an offensive coordinator, I you know this. I know defense more than I know offense. I watch 80% of my film is of the other opposing team's defense to put your game plan together. So when Kevin Stefanski tells me that he's in the quarterback room every day because because this is what he does, insisting on calling the plays, but when your defense is going bad, I would really like him to go to the defensive meeting room and maybe help out as a yeah, head coach. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We I, talked I, about I that a lot I, last year. I, I don't understand – why that? Why that is? I mean, you know, part of coaching is delegating, and as a head coach, you have to delegate and you have to trust people. Well, apparently, he must not trust anybody because you look at Dable, Sirianni. These guys checked their egos in at the door and allowed other people to do it so they can be the CEO of their team. I just don't understand why this guy insists on being in that room and not going down the hall and helping other people, especially. Dustin, you know this. Yeah. They watch 80% of their film on the offensive side is of defense. Offensive coaches know defense 
defensive coaches know offense because they're always watching the other side of the film. So I just don't understand it. I'd love to hear, Dustin, what you got to say about it. No, I, I think it's Thanks you, you're, you're dead on. And we talked about this quite a bit last year. I, I felt like, you know, especially when the defense was really reeling late in the season, I was always wondering why Stefanski didn't um, dip his toes into the defense a little bit mm-hmm. and just kind of stick his nose into those meeting rooms. And this kind of goes to your point to some degree because you don't really like him play, calling plays and you feel like he should be more of a delegator and, and be more of that head coach. Well, mm-hmm. this goes back to last year. And look, he could have... He could have said, hey, listen, um, for the betterment of the team, even for just right now, um, mm-hmm. Alex is going to call plays, and I'm going to kind of get my hands on on the rest of this team a little yeah. bit. You know? Well, to me, it's just, I, I think, I, and I, I don't know this, so this is 100%. I, I, I'm just piecing together what Kevin has said in public and on this station before. Like It does feel like when I hear him talk about everything, 360 Right. I think Kevin has fallen in love, and I think a lot of young coaches fall in love with wanting to be seen as the next McVay, the next Shanahan, the ni- the next Mike McDaniels, even though uh, that that team kind of fell apart at the end and he's still getting a lot of love for, for a team that kind of collapsed in, in December. But, like, also Tua was hurt in, in defense now that I'm defending him and castigating him at the same time. But, like, I'd rather be employed then be like if 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 I oh man Colin Coward gets paid the big money I got to be like Colin Coward well if me trying to be like Colin Coward didn't work out I'd then go ahead and pivot you know what I mean like if if the thing you're doing the model you're trying to follow might not be working to the level that you need to work to be consistently employed then change it he mentioned Nick Sirianni a friend of his going from uh, calling the plays year one to kind of, you know, handing over the play calling to Shane Steichen this last year. It's a big, a big part of the jump up. It doesn't mean Nick Sirianni just went hands off and didn't pay attention to the offensive side of the ball. It just meant he was more of a head coach. More of a head coach, yeah. And, and that was part of the reason that they had so much success last year, I think, is because he was able to kind of have an identity of that team, kind of have his his hands on both sides of the, of the football, and go out there and be the head coach, be the voice, have a feel for the game. Mm-hmm. I because th- you know there's another side to what we're talking about, and again we we focus specifically on the the play calling because I I started the show hot about it, but there is a, how you react when the pressure hits is really interesting. If you turtle, if you have if if who you are as a as a coach changes. Kevin outwardly has been the same guy um, all three years, going on year four. The other fear is if you're not adapting, if you're putting out a front, it does make me wonder, like, are you are you going the opposite way? Are you digging in too much? Because right. I think it's a fine line. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.